Where you stand on issues, how you live your life, and how much good you can do in the world are greater challenges than a lunar mission. The Interplanetary Podcast. The exploration of space for the benefit of all mankind. Your hosts here in London, Matthew Russell and Jamie Franklin. Our word. I mean, where to start, Matt? Always been one of our favourites. Absolutely. Um, We had the pleasure of interviewing Al. It was in London, wasn't it? It was at the... Excel Centre. Which show was it? Yeah, at at the New Scientist Live. New Scientist Live. Episode 7, Jamie. Very early on in our podcast career. It it was. We were so excited, weren't we, to have an interview with with Al. Incredible. I felt like it was the first time we'd done a serious podcast with a serious guest. 100%. And... He's our only Apollo didn't, And he didn't once question how many followers we had, what our podcast generated in terms of numbers and stats and he just was lovely person he gave us time and yeah um, incredible stories i watched him that day he literally was going around talking to kids and talking to scouts yeah. talking to guides talking to tim peak and like literally just wandering around just giving his time to absolutely including your son george of course yeah. who famously asked him uh, what is it like to be a human? Yeah. Which I think he he really enjoyed. Which was really good. Yeah, that's a great question. And and uh, I'm going to play a little clip at the end uh, of uh, your question, what food did he miss? Because that's still one of my favourite answers. Oh, I love it. Well, rest in peace, Al. 17th of March. Incredible. Matt, I think we need to, we absolutely need to have a little look at, um, at his life, what he got up to. Obviously, the, the big thing, that he is famous for is he was the first person to do a deep space spacewalk, deep space wow. EVA back in 1971, the year I, before I was born. I was alive but not yet born. And he was so. Am I right in thinking 200,000 200, miles from Earth? Thousands of miles from any celestial body. But yes, two hundred thousand mm. miles from Earth on on the way back Apollo 15 on its way back from the moon. About uh, 40 minutes. Yeah. That's a long time. Isn't it, it? it is a long time, but apparently that was very, very quick. He was he was an exceptional spacewalker, like really, really good. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean, his death now, it means that there are now only four moonwalkers and now only seven of the command module lonely command module pilots he's also got the world record by the way for the most isolated human being ever when he was in endeavor he was 2235 miles away from any other human and that would have been scott and Irwin on the surface of the moon and of course matt he was uh yeah he was used to being uh being alone as a fighter pilot yeah and he found it a a wonderful experience. Yeah, that's what he says in his book. But uh, we, we can't really um, uh, talk about Al, Al Worden and, and not mention the stamps, a, a scandal involving stamps that had been secretly taken to the moon. He basically lost everything at that point. He, he in, his, in, his, um, in the book... Uh, falling to earth he he says literally everything i'd worked towards and a lifetime of service ruined 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, and he sort of went through his whole life going, I mean, it's one of those things, isn't it, where someone would have said something like, oh, yeah, we're doing this, and Al would have just nodded and gone, yeah, 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 okay, we'll, yeah, we'll do that. It would have been a casual conversation oh, in the canteen or something like that, and that that one conversation, those one that one course of events literally scuppered everything that he'd done up to that moment in his life. So 1972, his life massively changed. He got the sack. He was in disgrace. Uh, But, yeah, by the time he got to 80, he wrote the book Falling to Earth and tried to put the story straight a little bit or at least come to terms with the story and described in detail how he sort of claws his life back. And, of course, he is one of the most respected Apollo astronauts. Oh, completely. Yeah, Apollo 15 is one of the best missions of the Apollo era, if if not like like technically the best overall, because of the Pretty science, flawless. yeah, but the science it did and everything else. So, it's uh, yeah, he he deserves utmost respect, and he was just such a lovely guy, described by uh, uh, Gordon as someone who lived in the moment more than anyone else. Oh. So that is, I mean, what else can you say? You know, that is per- perfect, isn't it? Yeah. So, yes, I'm going to play a little clip now. Was there a meal that you were like, I can't wait to eat that again? I would say it would be vodka and spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> no beer. Okay. No beer. All right. Okay. Amazing. There we go. There Boom. we go. So I think, you know, I might, I might have the same for dinner tonight. That's a very good shout. Very good shout indeed. I've got plenty of spaghetti, of course. Jamie. Good man, good man. Today yes. is a glorious day in some ways because it is it is, it is the March equinox. We are coming. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of dismal things happening, Matt, but it's the equinox. And equinox, Matt, yeah. you know where this comes from. I mean, it's, it's uh, from the words Latin, uh, equi, meaning equal, and nox, which is night. So... Equal yeah, night. First day of spring. Yeah, equal night. So, yes. Equal length, day and night. Yes. This is a special one, of course, because it's 18 hours or thereabouts earlier than last year because it's a leap year. And, of course, that's the whole point of leap years, that it stops the equinox falling more than a day either side of March the 20th. Beautiful. Yeah. So here's a really interesting bit that I always find interesting is where you can tell that the sun crosses this the celestial uh, equator. It used to cross it in the constellation of Aries, but <laughs> it doesn't anymore because of the precession that Earth experiences, which is this 25,772-year cycle. And so we're slowly, this, this, um, this crossing point is moving around the constellations. So it was in it was in Aries from 1865 years BC uh, but but it moved into where it is now Pisces in 68 BC and it's going to move into Aquarius oh. in about 500 years time in 2500 in the year 2597 well Matt it's fun because I am a Pisces as you know mm-hmm. and um uh, that means that, according to my horoscope, I'm very likely 
to stay indoors today. <laughs> yeah, I think weirdly so, that's on everyone's uh, horoscope, isn't well, it? Matt, it's, it's I mean, well, Matt, you poo-poo it, but they're completely right. Yeah, so no, it's they've, they've, be ab- true. they've absolutely nailed it there. Um, yeah. uh, there's a there's a town called Annopolis in Maryland, United States. Maryland uh, is that where they make the cookies? I'm assuming so. Yeah, chalk chip. Um, Love them. Th- there's a boating community there that celebrate, get this, the burning of the socks festival. <laughs> Sounds smelly. <laughs> so, yeah, well, they, they, they only wear socks in winter. And so the day that it turns into spring, they officially don't wear socks again until the next I'm equinox. Calling, <laughs> I'm calling bullshit. I, I reckon that there's someone in An- Annapolis who wears socks in the summer. Not in, give, me, give us a shout. Not in the boating community, Jake. <laughs> give, give us a shout if you're in the boating community. And you wear socks Annapolis, in summer. And you wear socks in summer. We want to, you know, you, if you want to have your name, you know, hidden, your face blurred, let us know. Right. Well, talking of turnarounds and new seasons, China, mm. of course, have had a, a pretty torrid time of late. Unfortunately, that has spread globally, but they look like they've had some very good news on the old virus front. Uh, but hmm. uh, last week, they had a setback with a Long March 7A rocket that uh, failed, but it looks like that was a second stage failure, which is probably the the, the one place where it has the least knock-on effects, and that's mainly to do with the fact that that the way that that rocket is built, it doesn't share common components with other Long March rockets that that are going to be part Mm. of of what they're doing this year. So one really exciting thing that's happened this week is they've actually rolled out the Long March 5B. Now, if you remember the preview program right at the beginning of the year, I mentioned how important the Long March 5B was. It was important that all their Long March 5s worked uh, right at the end of the year. But Long March 5B is their crew-carrying rocket. So that is rolling uh-huh, out for yes. testing. Uh, currently, it's got a sort of boilerplate version of the Chinese space station module, the sort of core Ooh. module on top. But that's just to check that it fits. But when it rolls out in April for this test launch, it's going to have an uncrewed next-generation human-rated spacecraft on the top of it. So that... It's going to be exciting. That's in April, which, of course, is one month before the Americans. And this is pretty exciting, although it's going to be very interesting if America can keep to these timelines with the current climate. Uh, And that is that NASA have opened up the media accreditation for SpaceX Demo 2 flight test. Oh, my God. Here we go. So who who do you think the two astronauts can you remember who the two astronauts are that are going up on that? Well, I know that Doug Hurley is one. Nice. And Bob Benkin. Oh, Bobby. Bob Bobby. Oh Robert. Robert L. Yes. Benkin. Uh yes, yeah, so he's going up. And uh yes, the so that is sort of slated for late May, and that will be the first time America has been able to launch an astronaut. Since 2011. That's incredible, isn't it? Get him. I can't believe yeah, that was the last mad. space shuttle flight, July the 8th, 2011. That's that's so, a long time ago, isn't it? 
Yeah, so that's yeah. that. That should be exciting. So we'll, so um, uh, I'm going to apply for press, but of course I won't get it. Um, uh, I know. I don't. I think we're not because we're not we're not American enough. But you know, you never know. Who says? <laughs> so uh, yeah, there's a there's a UK uh, firm, Jamie, called Lift Me Off, and they've recently <laughs> lift me off. Okay. I know you've got to be careful how you say that one. LMO, yeah, uh, and they LMO, yeah. they've signed an agreement with the University of Luxembourg, uh, and so this is working towards uh, basically a more sustainable satellite community that that are more dy- mm. that have uh, more adaptable and reconfigurable mission scenarios and servicing. So they can do things like you know refueling and all those kind of things, and and that involves new propulsion and artificial intelligence and stuff like that. So that they're a company that are worth uh, keeping an eye on. Lift me off. I think that is very exciting. Let's keep an eye on those little upstarts. It's, I think every time I'm going to say lift me off, it's going to cause some problems for you, Jamie. Uh no, I've I've been good as you've heard. I just. It's fine, no, nothing um, from me. Yes, uh, there's also, if you're bored at home and you've got kids, uh, you can actually tune in to astronauts on the ISS Whoa. reading kids' books. Oh, yes. Yes, so you know Emily Calandrelli, the space gal. Oh, yeah. Which I know we follow on Instagram and Twitter, always, mm-hmm. always basically doing a very, very happy face while holding some space-related object. That seems to be a thing. But she wrote a book called Ada Lace. I'm assuming after Ada Lovelace. Take Me to Your Leader. That's one of the books that gets read on this um, by the astronauts, as is uh, Maustronaut by Mark... Oh, the classic Maustronaut. <laughs> by Mark Twin of Scott Kelly. Um Yes, so that's the Space Global Space Education Foundation. It's been going for a while, but of course it's gaining a little bit of um, publicity due to the fact that people are stuck at home with not much else to this do. This is the thing. Let's get creative, people. Oh, man, you have to feel sorry for this guy, though. Chris Cassidy. Do you know Chris Cassidy? No, no, I don't. No, so Chris Cassidy is an American astronaut. He, he's actually flown up on a space shuttle mission, STS-127, and a previous expedition to the International Space Station, Expedition 35-36. stroke He's actually mm. a former Navy SEAL. He's only the second Navy SEAL to fly to space. And he was he's actually seen proper action in Afghanistan immediately after 9-11. So this is a badass Navy SEAL. But his disaster is that um, he is flying up on April the 9th to the International Space Station, but there's going to be no one there to uh, say bye-bye. Such is the restrictions of making sure that certain viruses don't get onto his flight and up into the ISS. So he's totally in isolation. He's obviously very stressed about his family. It's not only that, he had a bit of a nightmare, actually, because he was training with two Russians who one of them managed to get an eye injury during training, and the two Russians had to be replaced by Anatoly Ivanishin and Ivan Wagner. And so they have been... uh, So now he's got, at the very last minute, two new 
Russian counterparts who he's going up with, and they will actually spend a long time, just the three of them, on the ISS. Um, because, uh, yeah, only a couple of weeks after they arrive at the ISS, the, uh, the other three that are on board will uh, leave and leave them as a three-man crew. So they're going to be super, super busy. Wow. Well, God damn. Take it easy, Chris. Uh, and uh, just a little bit of a coincidence. Uh, Cassidy used to be the chief of the astronaut office, and he succeeded Bob Benken who is the astronaut going why. up on the SpaceX flight. There we go. So there's a little bit of a connection there. So obviously they're, uh, they're pals. Um, he said uh, he's stressed, but he said um, that because he's lo- worrying about his loved ones, he goes, we're only human and we'll work through it and be fine. That's his cal- That's calming, calming words. And talking of calming words, loads of astronauts, Jamie, have taken to Twitter to talk about their isolation you know obviously astronauts have to go, go through a bit of isolation and they've been should we read some yeah out? they've been offering advice what did uh, scott kelly say for example jamie so scott kelly uh said one thing i learned in my 20 years at nasa is that most problems aren't rocket science but when they are rocket science you should ask a rocket scientist I like what he's done there. Yeah, that, it, and it's so true. Did you see the Jurgen Klopp video, Jamie? <laughs> of when I love the Jurgen Klopp video. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. <laughs> it's, it's brilliant. It is absolutely like, just which, ask a scientist. Uh, yeah, it? just just don't ask a football coach. I wear a baseball cap and I've got a bad shave. Just ask someone who knows. Famous people yeah. shouldn't be telling us what to do. Just ask the scientists. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Scott Kelly Just go to the reiterating. WHO. That's it. Yeah, Done. yeah. So, so Scott Kelly and Jurgen Klopp fully aligned with that message. Um, what about Anne McLean, Matt? Uh, she. Uh, this is good. It's about realigning your expectations. Reminder that stress happens when expectations aren't in line with reality. When we can't change reality, it's best to focus on our expectations. Expect to do things differently. Expect to need to adapt. Expect to be out of your comfort zone. And expect to put others first. Love that. That is good. Got one here from uh, ESA Science. Yep. Uh, At ESA Science, of course. Uh, With many people staying home these days, we have curated a selection of activities for you to pass the time and learn more about space and science in the meantime. You could start with ESA Sky, exploring the sky as viewed by many astronomy missions and telescopes. That is a good call. Oh, I, no, I, I've actually been on that ESA Sky site, and it is <laughs> absolutely genius. Really, really it was like, good, how did I not know about this before? It's, it's so cool. Yeah, you can. It, it really reminds me of all those years I sat in front of my computer Im, uh, doing image processing after I'd spent a night mm. photographing the night sky and and getting all those eking out the detail of all those galaxies that I'd taken pictures of. It's a, it. it's so cool. So, yes, that's a really good shout. ESA Sky, if you get bored, have a look at that. Thomas Pesquet as well, he's done some video, mm. he's done some YouTube videos on how to stay sane at home and he's hashtag quarantine life. So There we go. Yep. He is on uh, – he is uh, at Tom, T-H-O-M, underscore Astro. Yeah, 
So there we go. Check out his content. Luke, Luke. We've got Luca, Luca Parmitano, he, one of our favourites. Yeah, yeah. He's been urging. He, he's done. A, he's done a similar sort of thing. He's done a bunch of videos, obviously all in Italian. So I've got no idea what he's talking about. Um, but well, yes, if it, you speak the beautiful language, talk, check out Astro if you talk underscore language, you can it's very have a, beautiful. So there should be an astronaut all for you. Uh, Chris Hadfield, the best oh. antidote for fear is competence, knowing what to do. Perfect. Yeah, Absolutely I know. Perfect. Well, we were talking about this before we came on air, weren't we, Jamie, about actually how we didn't know what to do. A little yeah. bit, I'm a little yeah, bit sorry, but we re- I'm relying on Bob, our patron, who's who's just on our patron channels, being just giving us all be advice. Be like Bob, listen to Bob. Thank you, Bob. Um, stay safe, everyone. Yeah, uh, Jessica Mia, Matt mm-hmm. at Astro underscore Jessica. Everyone's Astro underscore, aren't they? Mm. Uh, gazing down at the city in which my father was raised, I take to heart one of his most uttered expressions: "This too shall pass." Wise words to remember in both good and bad times. Good night, Tel Aviv, Israel. Uh, Brilliant stuff. Uh, What about Christina, Matt? Yeah, so she said, One year ago, launching into space reinforced to me that the most important thing on Earth is the people you love. Today, as we all stay close to home, I'm struck how that still couldn't be more true. There we go. Christina Cook there at Astro underscore Christina. <laughs> Whee! In the, oh, uh, dear. In, there we go. In the meantime, Jamie, NASA have kind of ground to a halt, as have East. Of course it has. So, yeah. yes, there's going to be absolutely no work on the SLS and Orion hardware as they're sending people home from all their institutions, as are ESA. There's going to be no launching from the European spaceport. Everyone's gone home. Everyone's teleworking. Only key personnel to keep the stuff safe and not dangerous are going to be uh, expected to go into work. Rightly so. Um, and well, Matt, do you want to hear? Do you want to hear who hasn't been told to go home? Uh, go on then. Black holes. Ah, oh, yes, good old black holes. Yeah, yeah. See what I've done there. Yes. I've uh, this is a very clever segue into. Uh, Talking about the the black hole team discovering path to razor sharp black hole images. Oh man, this is this is actually incredible. It seems that this team, led by Michael D. Johnson at uh, the Harvard hmm. and Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics, they have sort of stumbled on a way of, you know, the amazing M eighty seven black hole picture. Oh God, do I? So yeah. so what? Well, one of the most remarkable achievements of mankind. Uh, iconic. Iconic, yes. They they managed to get this sort of bright, unresolved ring. But this team have kind of found a method, and it seems like they sort of stumbled on it accidentally, about how they might actually make this ring slightly more resolved so that we can actually see more detail within Whoa. it. So there's they basically the bottom line is it, it uses that that photo was taken using uh very long baseline interferometry or VLBI. And they reckon that general relativity is predicting that that within that 
image is a thin photon ring, which is composed, mm. get this, this is the bit that's a bit mind-blowing, is composed of an infinite sequence of self-similar subrings that are indexed by the number of photon orbits around the black hole. So this index is this n, Whoa. is this n equals 1, etc. to infinity. Now, the subrings approach the edge of the black hole shadow, becoming exponentially narrower but weaker with increasing orbit number with seemingly negligible contributions from the higher order subrings. So the subrings produce strong and universal signatures on long interferometric baselines. So the signatures offer a promising approach for precisely determining the mass and spin of black holes and for testing general relativity using sparse interferometers, such as an extension of the Event Horizon Telescope project into space. Damn. So the most amazing thing is so if you neglect opacity, so how opaque this is, a telescope with perfect resolution directed at a black hole observes an infinite number of nested images of the universe. Whoa. <laughs> These images arise from photons that differ by the number of N of half orbits that they complete around the black hole on the way from their source to the detector. Each, su each such image is thus an increasingly delayed and demagnified snapshot of the universe as seen from the black hole. <laughs> yes, well, yeah, I know. In an astrophysical setting, this self-similar sequence of relativistic images is dominated by the luminous matter surrounding the black hole and produces in its image a feature known as the photon ring of the black hole. The leading N equals 1 subring appears as a sharp, bright feature in array-traced images from many general relativistic magnetohydrodynamic simulations. As you know, Jamie, that is uh, acronym GRMHD, or I should say initialization, GRMHD. Well, yeah, one of the best acronyms, yeah. If, if you sort of read through all this, and it, and it, and it has things like Lyapunov exponents and things like that, and of instability of bound photon orbits. It's a great paper, this, because it's like you start reading it and you're instantly lost in ridiculous terms. But the bottom line, the summary, is that precise measurements of the size, shape, thickness, and angular profile of the nth photon subring of M87 and Sagittarius A star may be feasible for N equals 1, using a high-frequency ground array or low-Earth orbit, N equals 2 with a station on the moon, and N equals 3 with a station in Lagrange point 2. Is everyone following? There will be a test. I think, in essence, what they're saying is, surprisingly, we should be able to get sharper and sharper images of, of like M87 and Sagittarius A-star um, using this uh, by just extending the um, interferometry out into outer space. So uh, interferometry is where you have like two separate telescopes separated by a distance, and that essentially makes the mm. aperture of the telescope that distance between the two telescopes. 
Uh, and so if you can extend that out into space, like using the Hubble Space Telescope or James Webb or one of these telescopes, then you can you can create this baseline interferometry that surprisingly is capable of looking at these photon rings and sharpening up the image and sharpening up the detail and and the information that you can extract from the image and learn about these black holes. I'm going to get, I'm going to do a deep dive into that. It's, it's absolutely mind blowing. I mean, I, we, I, it's very hard to do it justice because you you kind of have to learn basically twenty years of study to be able to kind of understand the paper. I'll but sit down with you later after the yeah. podcast if you can Skype me in and talk me through it. Really interesting paper as well from Japan from Arakawa ah, uh, yes. et al. from the Kobe from the Kobe University about the artificial impactor that they fired down at uh, Ryugu yes. from the Hayabusa 2 spacecraft, which is just a, such a brilliant mission. Incredible. They blasted it with this uh, impactor. From that, they were able to look at this crater. That the, the crater that was made it had a diameter of roughly 10 metres, a little bit bigger than 10 metres, a semicircular shape. Uh, and they used the DCAM3, or the deployable camera, for about eight minutes to show how the ejector and the impact grew and how uh, how this whole thing developed. And using that, they've been able to try and work out how old Ryugu is. Now, how, how old do you think? Oh, I don't know. I mean, well, I mean, over 100 million years old. Well... Right? Yeah, so they had this age range of either 160 million years old or 9 million years old. And it all, if it was 160 million years old, I guess what happens is that the material is so settled and starts to crush together and fuse that it's not just a loose, rubbly asteroid. But if it's only nine million years old, then obviously it'll just be just rubble. This this the asteroid won't have sort of uh, stuck together as much. And it looks like from and it okay. looks like from the the way that this crater was formed, that it supports the younger age. That 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 it was the the crater formed in a gravity dominated regime so there was there's hardly mm. any surface strength and so it looks like ryugu is about 9 million years old uh based on the cohesion the cohesionless surface and not only that they're able to tell that the top maybe 1 meter of the surface is probably only about 10,000 years old as well so that is pretty exciting, isn't it? So that so it's only nine million years old, Ryugu, these near Earth asteroid. Well, Matt, as one of my favourite bands ever, the replacements once sang, How old are you? How young am I? Let's count the rings around my eyes. Oh wow. So there we go. Don't think there's many rings on an asteroid. No, I, I did read another science story that's not space. Well, it is space related. It was about uh, shells. Um, mollusk shells that um, because they oh, grow yeah. daily, they ha- they they actually have rings like trees, but they're day rings. Oh, and they've Blimey. invented this technique of measuring the day rings of mollusks that were millions of years old, as in fossilized mollusks, and they were able to measure how long the day was. And of course, the day was say 
10 hours rather than 12 hours and and they could even like tell whether it was a cloudy day and stuff like that <laughs> but it totally what? ties in with how the moon is drifting away from earth and uh so the moon is drifting away by a few centimeters each year we know that because apollo left mirrors on the moon and we measure the distance to the moon and this mm. this as the paleontologists are measuring the mollusk shells they're able to determine yes it totally lines up with this moon drift and the angular momentum lost to earth as the moon drifts out uh you know like an ice skater spinning around it's got to slow down and so the, yeah the days are getting longer on earth as our spin slows because the moon is taking away some of that angular momentum as it drifts out so it all ties in like a beautiful jigsaw piece so that was another little story that wow. I saw. Yeah, I love I, I, that. I, I really yeah, love it's that. A, it's an amazing story. It's it's so many bits of it are incredible because they're able to tell the acidity of the oceans and what the weather was like and all those kind of things just from these day rings on on mollusk shells. So Matt, as so when so every year the moon gets about would you say two yeah, centimeters I think it's further three, away? About in between three and four centimeters a year. Uh, each year, yeah, drifts away, and therefore our days are getting a little longer, bit longer, longer, longer. Yeah, because it's longer. basically taking away some of the spin of the Earth. Eventually, because because what? So how long, Matt? How long until twenty four hours is twenty five? Well, it's basically at what point the Earth and the Moon become tidally locked with one another. What's happening is, yeah, the mm. Earth is slowly becoming tidally locked with the Moon. But yes, that apparently that is so long away that the sun will have expanded and and absorbed us all by then anyway. So that the moon would actually start falling back towards the Earth at that point. I mean, Matt, listen, if I'm going to die, I wouldn't mind being hit by the moon. That's that's not a bad way to. Go. But we wouldn't be hit by the moon. The moon would hit the Roche limit and fall apart, and and Earth would actually have a ring system for a bit. Oh, Six. So, so that's one of yeah. So if if Earth and Moon become tidally locked, the Earth comes back towards Earth, hits the Roche limit, gets smashed up into tiny pieces due to uh, tidal forces, and yes, we'd have a, a lovely ring made of the Moon in the same way that Mars will in a few million years have a ring made up of Phobos and Deimos. So Matt, what happens to our tides when the ring when when our when the, our Moon is is then in, made into rings? I don't know. I think <laughs> I just don't know, Jamie. This is great. This I, is like when we used to go to the pub, and I used to ask you questions. <laughs> well, it, we we have the podcast has fallen into a uh, pub talk now because yes, this is we've gone massively off talk. script. We've gone massively off script, but I massively did like that. I do like a bit of the that mollusk story is absolutely incredible. Oh, that is ace. They're shaped like beard beard jugs as well. Matt, should we get back on track and talk so, about yes, link? Yes, Link, L-Y-N-K. This was a story that uh, Lauren Grush had in, in The Verge, which I thought was really interesting. Mm. So, yes, Link managed to send a, a text message to a normal Android phone in the Falkland Islands from space. Nice. So they've got these kind of cell towers in space now that they've been launching up, Link, and this one cell tower was actually uh, attached 
to a Cygnus cargo uh, ship, the SS Allen Bean, no less, by the female spacewalking duo of Christina Cook and Jessica Meir. And, Incredible stuff. Yeah, so that was added to that. And the Cygnus cargo SS Allen Bean, which is actually still orbiting, it's it's had its... Um, it's it's sort of once it left the international space station it's it's they've been testing it in orbit and flying it around it will be deorbited in april it should have been deorbited by now but they extended the mission but yes on the uh, uh Jessica Meir and Christina Koch uh, actually added this um this little um mast to the Cygnus outside of the Cygnus spacecraft before it left and it managed to send a signal so down what, to, a, to an they, android what? phone what did they text? Was it, um, I'm texting from space, lol? I think it, it was something like that, Jamie. Yes, it was. Is Did you get this test, lol? Laugh crying emoji. Yeah. I, I actually don't know what they uh, they sent, but I'm going to stick that in the notes, maybe encourage a few visits to the website. And Excellent let's face it, ev- everyone's got a lot of time on their hands. There's only a couple of more stories that we can really cover from this week. Uh, there's, no, there's no interview this week. I, I, obviously, over the course of the next few uh, weeks and months, we'll start uh, piling up some interviews. As we will, uh, we'll, that this will be. Yes, it's, I'm. I'm quite looking forward. I think the content actually, Jamie, is going to be massively improved. As we'll, we'll probably well, have more listen, time. We're all and- in the same boat, so let's stay positive. We're going to get some great interviews because. Let's face it, people are going to be in the same situation as us. So yeah, I, everyone can get on Skype. We were talking about uh, listening to podcasts, and I, I, I think a lot of our listeners listen to podcasts during their commute. Now, yes. Of course, the, the commuting is going to go down. So what I suggest is uh, get your headphones on and go for nice long walks. Exercise nice long walk. is really important. It so, is really yes. important. So listen, listen our to podcasts. Our mate Bob told us that. Eat less carbs, more fruit and veg. Matt, I hear you've been eating more fruit and veg. Is I've this to- true? I have totally, totally gone more fruit and veg. My God. Uh, which means I can't I can't go out and stockpile uh, on on food, really. So, uh, which I think, you know, the, the I mean, shop you were should... famous in your area for eating, um, what is it, macaroni, cheese and chips sandwiches. Pengolin and bat sandwich is what I normally have. <laughs> But the lovely. no lovely yes so yes look after yourselves list, uh, do lots of exercise listen to podcasts uh, and obviously if you're financially you're having troubles we will not be upset if we see uh, the disappearing patrons for the time being <laughs> absolutely absolutely yeah so we're not going to be giving any of that chat but um, here's the thing Matt what we should do mm-hmm. is. If anyone listening to this podcast uh, is self-employed or is struggling financially because of the COVID crisis, please send us um, a link to your... If you've got a website that anyone can buy anything, if you work in a cafe or a restaurant or a bar or a hotel, what what can you do that people can give you some money for? It may even be a relief fund page that we can help direct people your way we will put some stuff up on instagram stories um and you know let's help each other out if there's any podcasts that you think people should be listening to uh share that info too matt have you got any podcasts you'd like to recommend i mean some of our space friends right yeah i mean i always always recommend we martians and miko we 
Much. and the orbital mechanics and I of obviously course. yeah so all the, all those all the great space podcasts of course but i really really enjoy the skeptics guide to the universe i think that's a great podcast uh skeptics guide to the universe very good i'm particularly enjoying the very funny off menu with uh james acaster and ed gamble if you haven't heard that subscribe it is incredible and of course atletico mints very british humor so that might be quite tricky for both (laughs) both both very british but i think you'll find it funny Uh, yeah absolutely um right uh, Jamie, just one last. We sh- we should talk about the uh, Falcon Nine. We we the Drink. Fa- uh, SpaceX launched a Falcon Nine the other day that launched a yet another sixty satellites up into 60 orbit. Sixty up, and we should see OneWeb doing similar very very soon as well. So hundreds of satellites going up this week. Uh, but yes, it was the fifth time that they flew that booster. However. If you were watching the live stream, you would actually have noticed that one of the uh, nine engines failed, and oh. uh, uh, and there was a little kind of glitch. And I noticed that one person on Twitter actually mentioned it. Um, but yes, there was a little tiny glitch. Uh, one of the engines failed, and uh, yeah, the uh, booster was completely lost. It did not land on the barge at all. But they did manage to catch both fairings. For the first time, oh, thank so it God. wasn't a complete miss. So that'd be um, that's interesting. There is no sixth launch of the vehicle, which is actually quite important because I think the maths only work out if you can uh, launch it at least five times. Uh, and Elon Musk is still going on about a hundred times for a Falcon Nine rocket. So yeah, that's uh, that's that's an interesting one to watch. I would imagine, you know. Engine failures, I suppose, can happen at any time. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of work to do there for SpaceX. There is all, a lot all of, of us, work. All, all of a sudden. Keep going, SpaceX. Keeps going, SpaceX. And um, there was a brilliant article uh, by Eric Berger that's worth looking at about <laughs> the billion pounds spent on a single launch tower that came out in a. Um, Jeez. Yeah, I mean that the report that NASA brought out on that was is is just unbelievable. It, so it, Matt, if it people really want to read that, where do they go? That goes to Ars Technica. You should everyone should be reading uh, Eric Berger and uh, there's a whole bunch of people that out there. He uh, is, Lauren Grush, without Eric doubt, Berger, Jeff Faust, the jewel of uh, our galaxy. Yeah, so there's some uh, check it out. I, I shall be. Uh, I might actually post up my top ten favorite space websites this week as a I little think you bonus. Should do that and. Uh, it was Jamie's birthday yesterday, everyone. So happy Aww. birthday, Jamie. Jamie, what other Thank news you, what other news have you got? Come on. Well, Matt, I'm only getting married. Way. I that's going to engaged, I've just I've just heard loads of heartbreaking all around the world as of I mean, people realise that, that you're, you're no longer single. <laughs> sorry, sorry, ladies. Oh, beautiful Jamie. That's congratulations. Thanks, everyone. That's lovely. Uh, so there we go. Stay safe, everyone. Uh, Matt, uh, what are you up to now? I uh, am going into a period of about three weeks of marking. And that's oh, all I'm going to be doing from now on, which which, if they're the, my last three weeks on Earth, then, then so be it. <laughs> well, I'm off to... Uh... I'm off to measure the size, shape and thickness of my subbering and uh, I suggest everyone does the same. Bye-bye, Spodcats. Take care of yourselves. 
Goodbye, wash your hands, goodbye, lots of love. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.